0: I'm Mike Gorman and you're listening to the Celtics Pod podcast for Celtics Blog.
1: What's up, everybody? Happy Monday. Nice little treat for y'all. We're going to be doing a three-man pod today, joined by Mr. Greg Menakis, who's usually here on a Monday with us, and joined by Mr. Will Weird, who's usually with us on a Friday, but when we can, we like to get together and do this three-man pod. Now, as we know, Will is an international man of mystery. One minute he's in Mexico, (laughs) next minute he's somewhere in New York, and then he'll be, I don't know, Brazil, Puerto Rico. He's actually in Texas right now at home, which uh, nailing him down to one spot seems to be quite difficult. And we have our resident rap genius, Mr. Greg Manakis. Greg, man, how's it going? New release this week? New single? How's that? How's it been received, man?
0: Good, good. Actually, um, you know, as we were talking before, it's super sad. Uh, my, my band down here in Texas, Black Sheep Optimist, we released a track called Candles. Um, it's kind of our lament to the pandemic. Uh, so it just like deals with all, you know, exploring the issues of trauma and loss, you know, and, and what's been going on in the past year and a half and also based on some personal stuff. But the the feedback has been great. We got added to a whole bunch of Spotify playlists. Um, people have been reaching out where it's got it's actually getting played on the radio tonight, which is Sunday here in um, in Texas. I'm on ACL radio, which is like a really, really big deal. Um, so we're going to be doing like an IG live where we're going to be listening to the song on the radio, um, just like answering questions about it. So people, you know, that are listening right now, this will have already have happened uh, because <laughs> we're recording this on a Sunday. You're listening on a Monday. But, yes, yeah, it's, it's a pretty big deal, man. I appreciate you, uh, appreciate you asking, bro. It's, it's Go add well. that to your
1: Spotify playlist right now. So this is the type of track, right? That when we're sitting down and we're, we're drinking whiskey and we're on our own and it's just been one of those days or one of those weeks and we need to do the, the, the man healing that we'll call it where you just, you know, get the whiskey and just see how far down the bottom you can get, you know, Nickelback type of style. This is the type <laughs> of song we need to be looking for, right? A breakup oh. tune in a, in, a, in essence.
0: For sure, for sure. It, 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 it definitely could be um, perceived as a breakup song. I could definitely see that. Um, But it's more about – honestly, it's more about loss and death, uh, <laughs> right? Everyone listens like, yeah. Wow. Yeah, let's, let's throw this on right now. Real, real upbeat on up. a Monday,
2: y'all. Let's get it. <laughs> uh, so Boy, it. If you had a good
1: weekend, here's the saddest yeah. song in history. We're going to so break you down it, right away.
0: Bro, it is super, super sad. And My uh, my producer, David Price, is uh, actually a violin teacher. It's like what he does for a living. He just teaches violin like 24-7. Had uh, just wrote this beautiful solo at the end of it, so if you do end up playing it and um, you know putting it on your Spotify playlist, make sure you stick around. The last minute and a half is just crazy. The first couple times I heard it, I was literally brought to tears, bro. Like it, 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 it can get you in the feels for sure. So if you're going through it and you kind of want to lean into the sadness, Black Sheep Optimist Candles will definitely get you there. Yeah,
2: Yo, well, Yo, oh, do you ahead. think this is, do you think this is something Team USA should be listening to right now?
0: Yeah, yeah, for I was sure. Going to
1: say sure. the exact same thing, bro, man. <laughs> Let's you go, Adam. You, you got me, man. You got me. I tell you what, Team the USA need Gordon Bombay because they're not going all the away without him. Dude, <laughs> this is what they need. They need Gordon Bombay and they need Keenan from Keenan and Cal to come on the scene with that knuckle puck, and then we well,
0: might. I thought, I thought that's what was Drew Holiday was going to be. You know, he came in. He he was adding that that uh you know that street ball. He was he he actually knew his role. You know which I feel like was one of the biggest issues yeah. on Team USA. Like Keenan Thompson in Team USA, he had one role right on in, in Mighty Ducks. He came in, he shot his knuckle puck. They did that ridiculous switch at the end where somehow he was allowed to put on Goldberg's jersey. Ma- makes but... zero sense. I don't know how they <laughs> did, did this, the, they, somehow did,
2: they somehow did the switch in the huddle. I was, well, I rewatched the movie during the pandemic. It they call a timeout, they come over to the bench, they huddle, and somehow no one notices that the goalie who wears the most – I don't play hockey, but he wears the most padding out of anyone on the entire team changed clothes with another player on the bench in Somebody the middle of the, the game. Somebody get the goalie! Nobody knows. Just, Nobody oh, knows. yeah,
1: man. All the pads as well. Like We're talking full gear, dude. This yeah. wasn't just like a switch T-shirt type of thing. This exactly. was like down to the skates. We're just switch. How did they have the same
2: feet? Same size feet? But like, there's too many variables that just don't match up. Hey, hey, yeah. to be fair, Goldberg and Keenan were both a little chunky, so like you know, they might have like <laughs> matched up with like some of their attire. They could have been wearing the same XLs, double So I don't know, maybe some of it matched up. Maybe he
1: was trying to diet though, because he was trying to feed up the other goalie on all those those cakes. Do you remember? <laughs> yeah, cat the goalie. We're getting sidetracked so again, dude. We're getting such so a a big fan of all the Mighty Ducks movies. Um, I rewatched them very, 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 very recently because I'm a huge child. I think I agree. I think uh, Drew Holiday knew his role. A bunch of other dudes didn't know their role. Um, I think Tatum was used incorrectly, personally. Um, you know, you put, you're posting him up in the corner. I, I understand that when KD is on the floor, then KD is your focal point of the offense. And I think we can all agree, like, that's completely fine. But I just feel like, you know, KD sat a lot while Tatum was on the floor. And Tatum was just posting up in the corner. He he had two fast break moves in the second, I think, and then he hit that three in the third. And I just, I don't know, man. This It was a completely disjointed performance, top to bottom. And we, I'm saying it again, they need Gordon Bombay if they want to go all the way. So are you, are you saying that uh, Coach Pop is doing a bad job right now? I think that was a bad coaching performance. I'm not saying it was a bad job in total, but I do think that um, that specific performance was uh, not what we've come to expect
2: from Coach Popovich. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of tough with this team. And I think we, we noticed this a little bit in some of the prelim games, obviously the losses to Nigeria and Australia is that this team was missing, you know, just people, and you mentioned it, Greg, Holiday knew his role. And that was kind of one of the reasons why he was one of the few successful players. And when you think back to the games leading up to the Olympics, Keldon Johnson stood out because he knew his role. He was the dive guy. He was the guy that was setting screens, rolling, spacing the floor. He wasn't trying to figure out his role. And this team has, has a real problem in that area. And so, you know, that does kind of fall on Pop. You know, it's also probably a little bit of the roster construction of, of, of what he's working with. But, you know, something that as I was watching the game, I'd love to hear both of your perspectives on this from an X's and O's stand. You know, like you look at these two teams – France, certainly talented. They have Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, you know, pretty much actually a bunch of ex and current Celtics. So Celtics players at least getting some dubs in the the Olympics, I guess, is a little silver lining. But, you know, you look at these teams from a talent standpoint, even though France is a very – one of the more talented international teams with NBA players, there's still a pretty big gap when it comes to just pure talent, and especially when you look at guys that go get buckets. There is five or six guys on Team USA that you would probably consider – in the top 15 to 20 scorers in the NBA right now. But this team has such a problem scoring the basketball. I'm curious to know what you guys saw out there. Maybe that pop could do differently to make this offense. I mean, the offense just feels disjointed. And with this much talent, and you look at these names, it's really hard to to kind of comprehend it as you're watching in live time.
0: Yeah, I mean, I think that the biggest thing is nobody knows their role. I'm gonna go back to that again and again. Um their offense, their It seems like they're really focusing on making the extra pass. But I think that there's a difference between like making the extra pass because it's a good pass and just making the extra pass because that's what you've been told to do. And it it seems like that's like in everybody's mind. They always want to make that extra pass, right? Dame Lillard towards the end of the game gets a wide open three. There's nobody within 10 feet of him. DeColo's running out at him. He's kind of like playing between the gap. Is he going to pass the ball to the corner? Is he going to, you know, he's going to shoot the shot. And he decides to pass the ball to the corner, and Decolo was right there and just you know stole the ball, and that was a big moment in the game. Dame Lillard, when you think about who Dame Lillard is in the NBA, there's no way Dame Lillard passes up that shot, zero chance, right? So if you're Dame, lean into being Dame. If you're Jason Tatum, lean into being Jason Tatum, and do what you do best. And I think that a lot of the guys in the team right now, it's not necessarily an X's and O's thing, right? I think that the the way that they're running their offense is okay right um it, it, i think that the fact that sometimes kd and tatum and people like that have the tendency to you know pound pound the air out of the ball a little bit and search out a pick and roll to get a switch just just because that's what they're used to doing rather than like oh i have yabusele on Yabuselli on me i'm just going to take him rather than I'm going to go ahead and call, you know, call up someone to set a screen, call up, BAM, and now I have Rudy Gobert on me. Like, that's not re- – I don't understand why they're, you know, making those those types of, of plays. But in, in general, I think that they just need to, you know, find their roles on the team and make quicker decisions. And those decisions, more often than not, to me, are if the shot's there, take the shot. Too many guys are passing up open shots. And Dame Lillard and Jason Tatum, two guys that I see doing that more than others.
1: I think for me, one of the biggest things as well is pace, like playing a faster brand of basketball. These European teams are going to be so used to playing half court. That's just the way their game set up. Slow, methodical. Um, they run a bunch of different sets consistently, one back to back to back to work open shots. The, the point of the NBA is it's the most talented, most athletic, athletically gifted guys in the world. So lean into that, as well as leaning into your roles, as Greg said, leaning into being Dame and being Tatum. Lean into the fact that you are, you should be theoretically more athletically gifted than other rosters top to bottom. France, as you say, has got Rudy Gobert, it's got Evan Fournier. It also has Jabou starting. That's how much of a drop-off is just on the starting five before we even go to the bench and look at Vincent Poirier flame out. Them, you know, and he's one of their best bench role players. So, leaning into that pace and leaning into the fact that you guys can get up and down the floor faster than these guys and make and you can make reads quicker than them because you're so technically gifted, that makes a bunch of sense to me. I felt that, um, that you, Team USA played at France's pace rather than playing at Team USA's pace. It was definitely a European, um, like speed of basketball rather Mm -hmm. than an NBA speed of basketball. And I think that when team USA in previous years have played NBA brands of basketball with that pace and that movement and more off ball cutting, that's when European teams might hang with you for a quarter might hang with you for a half, but they, they just aren't physically gifted enough to hang with NBA level talent um, top to bottom on a roster for a full four quarters.
0: Well I think one of the thing that cre- one of the things that creates pace is your defense, right? So with Drew Holiday in the game, that was one of the issues that I saw um in the preliminary games in Vegas, right? The the exhibition games is that Pop didn't really have anybody to go to other than Dame at the point, right? And Dame's not a good defender. So the, I expected Drew Holiday to come in and make a big difference. But the rest of the team, you know, the the fact that Jason Tatum was on the bench during crunch time You know, it makes me want to scratch my head because he's one of the more athletic, physically gifted defenders that that can create pace through the defense. Right. So I'm just confused as to why Devin Booker and Zach Levine got those minutes over Tatum when they're not known for their defense whatsoever. And they're trying hard and they're playing hard, but they're not great defenders. Jason Tatum is long and he can get into passing lanes and he can create pace by you know deflections and things of that nature so drew holiday jason tatum kevin durant bam out of bio and i don't know maybe maybe dames on the court for three point shooting that's more of the lineup that i would i would say needs to be on the court cuz i don't think this team it's going to find chemistry on the offensive end before the end of this tournament. I just don't see it happening. I think they could get hot for a few games, but they're not going to out execute these other European teams. So for me, I think that they're going to have to do it on the defensive end and pop needs to find his best defensive lineup. And it seemed like today for whatever reason, maybe because he just saw Booker in the finals that he was going to Booker a little bit more Mm -hmm. than I expected. Um, Will, I, I know you wanted to hop in. Well, first of all, it,
2: the fact that Booker and Holiday played as many minutes as they did, seemingly just landed in Tokyo the night before, coming off the finals, that was a little bit unexpected for me. And, you know, as you were talking, you know, I had the same thought of like, why are we going with this Booker-Levine combo down down the stretch? And, you know, the only thing I could think of is, you know, you talked about those quick decisions. And with Tatum, something that has never been his forte is that quick catch and shoot, re- like, release. That's That's just not something that, that he's great at right now. But you think of Booker, Levine, maybe with that spacing, they're a little bit more quicker in that respect. So as far as the overpassing with the ball movement and trying to find a way to get quick decisions, neither Booker or Levine are gonna be a guy that's gun shy when it comes to getting their shot and being in that place. And that's somewhat of a role that they're familiar with. So I don't know. I'm Definitely. just trying to I'm just trying to think of what Pop's reasoning would have been. But you know, back to Adam's point, that was the major difference for me watching the exhibition games and today is that the times where it looked like they had some separation in the exhibition was when they got out in transition, used their athleticism, used their speed. And as you guys were talking, I was trying to go through my head and think of a moment in this game where I could clearly think of a transition opportunity that, that that Team USA had, and I'm really struggling to find one. And I think it, you know, I think that's probably the answer that that this team needs to figure out is how they can get out and transition. And you know, Greg, you laid out some great points of how they can maybe do that defensively and look to have a more defensive lineup as opposed to that Booker Levine combo. But you know, we'll see what Pop does going forward here.
1: From a specifically X's and O's standpoint, though, I think that. Um... Team USA's game plan was quite rudimentary in terms of just straight up stagger screens, wait for the um, wait for the second screener to slip in with the pocket pass. That was the predominant entry pass that they were looking for. Uh, you didn't really see them run many variations of like stack plays, or they weren't really running too many weaves. Um, and I'm not saying you need to. I'm, I think that with the amount of talent you've got there, you don't need to lean into that type of execution and that set calling but I do think when you're playing at a slower pace and like there's one play in my mind where they had Evan Fournier come off a zipper, a zipper um, cut and it was part of their zipper series that they were trying to get a lob down to um, Rudy Gobert and I remember thinking to myself I haven't seen a single Team USA guy have to make one of these cuts. I haven't seen any cross-screening action. It seems very much perimeter-based. And if you're going to play, allow another team to dictate the pace of your offense, then you at least need to be willing to go a bit deeper into your playbook than a couple of perimeter screens and then wait for guys to iso. Because if you're letting them dictate the pace, you're letting them control the game and you're not in the rhythm enough to, to just lean back and rely on your skill set because you've been taken out of your comfort zone. Hey, real yeah. quick, do, do we want
2: to talk about Evan Fournier for a minute here? Just because Evan Fournier Fournier was the star of the game. Greg, I know you're about to jump in here or something, but I know as a Celtics podcast, we have to address Evan Fournier at some point here.
0: Let's get into it. Let's get into it.
2: Yeah, man. I mean, just watching him play today with the confidence, I mean, it almost felt like we were watching a different version of Evan Fournier than what we got at the end of the season. And it's kind of funny when you think about Kevin Durant being on the other side. And it just, I mean, Evan Fournier did not play a huge role in that series. Then again, we were completely outmanned. We don't need to, you know, go, go and rehatch all of that. But seeing Evan Fournier play with that confidence in this game with stars, just like he was seeing on the other side, you know, versus the Nets in that first round series, you know, as a Celtics fan, you have to feel pretty good. If he does resign with the Celtics, that this is the Evan Fournier that you're getting that comes back to Boston.
0: Yeah. I mean, I I was thinking a lot about that and why Evan Fournier was able to find success. Right. So, my thing with Evan Fournier is that in a one-game scenario like this, he can get hot. You saw him in on on Orlando, almost single-handedly lead Orlando to like game one wins over. The, I think it was like the Raptors or the Bucks, whoever they beat. Yeah, because Orlando he,
2: loves game one wins.
0: Yeah, he he does have that talent, right? But I think that when you get into a seven-game series, he's not he's not the guy that can do that consistently. So for this game, I think that in that one-game scenario, Evan Fournier can definitely shine because a Duke can hoop, and if he gets hot, we saw that. Evan Fournier got hot so many times with the Celtics, but it was, it was just like after an 0-for-10 stretch, and then Fournier would hit like eight threes in a row. You know? So Fournier can definitely get that flamethrower going. Um, with, and another thing with Fournier is on the Celtics, he's not going to be the primary scorer. Right, So he's going to have to do all that off the ball as the third option, probably fourth option. And I, I'm just not sure that the, you know, you said Celtics fans should be excited that this could be the guy that you get. I just don't see that happening. I think Evan Fournier is going to get 11 shots a game and have to be really efficient, probably averaging 15 a game. You know what I mean? So to, to see this, you see the potential but the reality of it is that he's not going to get the same opportunities, and it's just a one-game scenario. But it, it is good in that Evan Fournier, maybe if it's a Game 7, could get hot and go crazy. Exactly. You know?
2: that's, and that's more what I meant by the expecting this player, is that if you think about the Celtics this past year, who's a guy that was going to surprise you and pop for 25? There really wasn't anybody. Evan Fournier, if he's averaging 15 a game like you mentioned, that's probably what I would expect. But when he sprinkles in a couple of games or maybe he goes off for 25 and 30 and that puts you over the hump on a night where maybe Jalen Brown or Jason Tatum's having an off-night shooting, you know, that's going to be super helpful. And so seeing him have this type of game in this moment with the other talent on, on Team USA, that's the part that I think can be encouraging and exciting for Celtics fans if Evan Fournier ends up coming back.
1: I mean, I want to lean into this a little bit as well. Um, I completely agree with what Greg was saying in terms of opportunities and role. Look, he's not going to be the first option. He's, you know, third at best. What I do want to lean into as well is we've just spoke about how the, I keep going to say the Celtics, Team USA's defense wasn't great. They didn't set a tone defensively and that affected their pace. We've just spoke about this. Now, if we're going to say that their defense wasn't great, then how much of Fournier's performance was afforded to him by lackluster defense, by missed rotations, by sagging off a guy or trying to worrying about being called for a foul. There's a lot more you can levy towards Team USA's defense as well. So I think that it goes both ways. A lot of the guys that are on Team USA at the moment are very high volume, um, elite level scorers, but there's a big question mark around most of their defensive prowess. So I think that it's kind of, it was a perfect storm for Evan Fournier. comes into this game, doesn't like KD, that's the narrative anyway. Um, you know, if we do want to rewatch that series, that's when we listen to Greg's song. But from there... <laughs> <laughs> but seriously, jokes aside, I think that the defense had a part to play in his performance. I think the usage rate had a part to play in his performance. And then, again, anyone can get hot, especially as a primary option, especially with some fresh legs coming into a tournament. If he can sustain this throughout an entire tournament, well, now we can start questioning whether you can... Have games where he's your secondary option. If JB's having a bad scoring night, no, do you switch usage rates for the day? But you'd need to see that sustained over the entire Olympics rather than just looking at a one game sample size and being like, this guy needs to ball more. Mm-hmm. Because as Greg said, anyone, you know, even the sun shines on a dog's
0: bum some days.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well done, Adam. Well done.
0: <laughs> Is there anything else we want to talk about with Team USA?
1: Benny gordon bomber.
0: The knee Gordon Bombay. Well, maybe it's the haircut, right? Pop kind of has that slick back hair. Maybe you see to switch up the hairstyle.
1: Well, Pop looks more like Hans than he does he does, <laughs> yeah. he does look like
2: Hans. He does <laughs> look like Hans. Maybe Ime maybe, uh, maybe, maybe is going to be the Gordon Bombay.
1: You don't know. I saw somebody on, a, I think it was on Facebook, and they were like, ah. Oh. Udoka's not doing a great job with Team USA right now. I all Celtics fans worried? I was like, "This." I'm not even going to respond to this because this. What does that on. based on? How, I don't
2: even know how you get to that conclusion. But
1: yeah, I, I'm obviously he knows more than we do. Yeah, he's like it's, he's so in that say. Team USA roster. Lack of room. I should reach out to him and ask him for an interview so we can see what's going on behind <laughs> the scenes. Jokes aside, like. Um, I think that Udoka's voice might need to become a bit bigger. One thing that I did know, and I spoke about this on a previous, I think it was on a podcast. It may have been on a green room. But do you remember when we saw that video of Tatum working out his post-up game
0: with Udoka? Definitely, yeah. Yeah.
1: Okay, yeah. so there was a moment in there where Udoka, where Tayton went for a fadeaway and Udoka told him, that's soft, that's not bully boy basketball. I want you to play, but like, do it again, but bully me. So, I was looking out for that from Tatum today. He was ducking into the post a little bit. He was trying to get the ball down to him on the post, didn't really have much success. So, maybe Udoka starts putting his voice in there and saying, right, if you don't have, if you're unable to beat these guys in terms of transition and pace, well, use your strength and start dominating in a bully boy fashion and, you know, get Draymond Green being Draymond Green drawing guys trying to get under their skin that way. So, I wouldn't mind seeing the Doka's influence a little bit more. Maybe we see him patrol the sidelines a little bit. But if that's not his role within that coaching system, then that's not his role. We can't be expecting him to step outside of that role and upset basketball guard Greg Popovich, who is a basketball guard that looks like Hans.
0: <laughs> yeah, I, I don't think that, you know you can put too much blame on Udoka or expect him to do too much with this roster. That's just like not his role. We talked about roles a lot and his role with, with team USA is, I mean, honestly, part of it is probably just to continue to develop that relationship with Jason Tatum, like behind the scenes and, you know, be, be the communicator and charismatic coach that, is the reason why we hired him in the first place and to communicate messages almost as like a liaison between pop and some of the players, the though pops not a bad communicator. No one's ever said pop is a bad communicator. There is something to be said for why we brought in email is that he's a former player, right? And maybe he can communicate a message in a way that pop can't. Um, but in terms of like, you're not going to see Udoka patrol on the sidelines. As you said, it's just not yep. going to happen. That's pop's job and that's what he's going to do. Um, but one thing I do want to hit on real quick is you, you talked about how Tatum needs to play bully, uh, bully boy basketball. And that's what I really think team USA is going to have to do. They're going to have to get as physical as they possibly can. It's all going to have to be on the defensive end and they have, they have enough pieces defensively where they could do it. Bam, bam, Draymond Tatum, Keldon Johnson, Drew holiday are all dogs. They all have that dog in them on the defensive end for sure. So I think they could definitely do it as long as long as they – we've used this term a lot. As long as they lean into the grittiness of, of what they need to be, they're not going to win pretty. It's just not going to happen.
1: My last Mighty Ducks reference, I promise. Who is the Charlie Conway of this team? Ooh, that's
0: a good one. The Who guy that's the willing guy. to sacrifice his spot? Um, the emotional it's, leader.
1: It's the Marcus. Like, if you say who's the yeah. Charlie on way of Boston Celtics, it's Marcus Smart. You, none, no doubt. But who is it for this team?
0: What did you did you guys see that thing with uh Bam and KD on tw- on Twitter where like Bam took KD's ball and then they started arguing yeah, about it? Yeah, I, I did see that. Yeah, that was that was weird, man. Like I, I don't know if they were just messing with each other, but. To me, I was it, like, that That feels weird in terms of chemistry. Like, why, why are... The- Bam, like, gave KD the middle finger emoji on Twitter. And, like, KD was like, bro needs to learn some respect. I, I don't know if they've talked about it. I haven't done any more research into yeah. it. But in terms of, like, you know, seniority, you would expect KD to kind of be that leader and you wouldn't expect Bam to, you know, go at him on Twitter like that. And just like the interaction that they had in in the practice facility was just awkward. I'm with you in that the energy of that video was very weird,
2: you know, like usually there's, you know, some people will, will take a headline then you'll see the video and you'd be like, okay, well, they, they just trapped me with that headline and everything's, you know, totally fine. That one did have a little bit of a, of a weird energy to it. Not sure quite what to make of it, but it made me think of what was, this was going around on social media the other day about um, the proper way to shoot around. Did you guys see this? Where after you, so Adam, let's, cause I know Greg and I shoot around the same way. We grew up together. So it makes sense that we shoot around the same way. So if I'm shooting the ball, make my shot, you give the ball back to me. If I miss the second shot, if I miss the next shot, do you then take the ball and go shoot yourself, or do you pass it back to me for a layup?
1: If you miss the shot, I'm expecting you to run as a trail man and be a layup guy. Yeah, there you go. So I get a layup and then I kick it back out to you, and then you Yeah, and the then shoot it's it. my turn. Yeah, yeah. That's how okay. I, I thought that was an unwritten rule.
2: That so believe me, Greg and I hoop out here in, in Texas, that is not the way people shoot around out here. It is the most frustrating thing ever when we go to warm up before we play. But
1: if you miss you get the layup, that's the way it works.
2: Not in Texas, man. Not
1: yeah, in I'm Texas. Fr- I'm throwing hands, dude. I can't do that. <laughs> it's not worth my man. ball until I make the layoff. That's how it works, dude.
2: Pretty a lo- lot of imaginary layups that Greg and I do after we miss a shot before we play. We just continue to run through and then give a little fake layup while someone else goes and takes their shot.
1: Dude, I'm turning into Shep from um, above the rim, dude. I'm playing against myself in shadows until somebody gives me the ball back. <laughs> that's how it's
0: going on. <laughs> Yeah, it, it's super. It is super frustrating though. But get, with that video though, um, you know, in in terms of, in terms of who's the Charlie Conway to answer that question, circling look, back. Yeah, circling back. Looking at the roster, I feel like it has to be Dame. Dame's the guy that kind of like, you know, he's a rapper. He's got that charisma. Um, on, on Portland, he he is he is definitely the heart of the Portland team, right? And not every superstar is the heart of their team. You know, James Harden wasn't necessarily the heart of the Houston Rockets. Uh, Kevin Durant's not necessarily the heart of the, of the Brooklyn Nets. But Dame Lillard, the superstar, is the heart of what's going on there. Like Draymond Green, right? It's another, another guy. He That's could, the, the, he, be, he could be the Charlie Conway. But I don't know, man. Draymond, I feel like Draymond just rubs a lot of guys the wrong way. And I wouldn't, if I was on Draymond's team, he's a bully in a way that seems annoying and I wouldn't want to play with him. <laughs> he, I was, was going to say, yeah, I was going
2: to say he's the Charlie Conway because Charlie Conway wasn't that good. Draymond's not as good as he used to be. So he takes his jersey off, gives it to someone, maybe says, you know, hey, I'm not going to be in this closing five or starting five anymore, you know, uh, metaphorically speaking. And then we end up with, you know, Bam, Tatum, Durant, whatever the, the rest of the line of Lillard. Whatever you want to make it out to be, but maybe Draymond's that guy. I don't know.
1: I could literally go through the mighty Dr. Roster right now and do comparisons, but I don't know how great that listening <laughs> makes for people. What I will say is, there was one possession where I think was Tatum's, realistically the only bad defensive possession I can really point to, and um he went under a screen and got caught on the screen as he went under, and um, I can't. I think it was Hurtle that hit the free. And then Draymond was straight away saying to Tatum, like, why did you go under? Like, you know the guys, have, you should have gone over. Even as soon as I saw Tatum go under that screen, he either went under or he, he switched but didn't call switch. Exactly. The-
0: yeah, I, I know what you're saying. But on the, if you, the next possession, I think Tatum actually went at Draymond for that because the, the very next possession, it was exact same, uh, exact same motion on the, from the offensive end and they switched it right and, yeah so
1: probably miss switch yeah
0: yeah i think i think that was actually draymond's mistake and not tatum's because the whole game they were switching that screen
1: i remember it vividly because i was like i only watched it once i didn't watch it back so it could have be, definitely been a missed switch but um it was just a complete breakdown but i liked to see i like it when i see draymond hold guys accountable and then if somebody goes back at him and he's wrong he will put his hands up and be like my bad and True. that's why I like Draymond as a leader, because you need somebody like that out there that's gonna be barking at you like because you know then, like if I mess up, I've got to listen to this dude, and I don't want to hear this dude's voice no more. I've heard it enough, so I'm not gonna mess up. Like that's kind of the mentality I look at. And I feel like smart does that to a lot of the guys on the Celtics roster. And sometimes you're just like, dude, we just shut up, so I'm not gonna mess mm-hmm. up because I don't want to have to hear
0: this guy's voice. For sure, for sure. So we got we got Drew Holiday, is Keenan Thompson, Draymond Green is Charlie Conway. Biggest question for me is, who's Julie the Cat Gaffney? Oof.
2: Oof. How about Keldon Johnson? Coming off the bench, last minute, provides a spark.
0: Nah, he's... Julie the Cat was like one of the most talented people on that team. Kelvin Johnson, yeah, Johnson's fair. like, I don't I
1: know. I think it has to be Tatum. Julie the Cat rode the point as well. And Tatum's starting bent on the bench at the moment. Okay. So maybe Tatum's Julie the Cat. And then KD would be Adam Banks.
0: Yeah, Katie's, 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 Katie's definitely, definitely Adam, Adam Banks. Katie's, yeah. de- and then Bam. I feel like Bam is Dean Portman. Yeah, yeah he's got to be one of the yeah. Bash Brothers. Bam's got to be
2: one of the Bash Brothers. Who's the other Bash Brother? Is the question. I, I mean, I could also see this role for Draymond.
1: Yeah, I was about, I was just thinking. Drew? <laughs> no, yeah. we, 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 no, Drew. No, Drew,
0: no. Drew we were, said Thompson. Drew was. Uh, yeah, oh, I was
1: Drew's and Thompson. <laughs> yeah, it's the first one we did.
2: Hmm. What's okay? Ooh, this is a good one. Who's Javel McGee? Uh, he's he's the guy from Texas. <laughs> He's uh, oh, what was that guy's name? I'm blanking on his name, Adam. What's his name? I just know him as Cowboy, wasn't it? Yeah. Dwayne. 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 Dwayne, 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 that's Dwayne. what it was from Austin, Texas, actually. Yeah,
0: <laughs> who's Goldberg? Goldberg? Uh, oh, I mean, Draymond, that could be Draymond again.
2: <laughs> D- Draymond's everybody on the Mighty
0: Ducks roster, oh, no, but it, I mean, Goldberg, you know, he provides that comic relief. So if you're looking on that roster, who's the guy that you think is actually funny. Chris Middleton's funny-looking. I don't know if he's actually funny, though.
2: <laughs> oh, man. Once again, Draymond's actually probably the dude cracking yeah, jokes. Yeah,
1: You know what I'm saying? Like, I think that we're just going to admit now that Draymond is all of the Mighty Ducks <laughs> rolled into one. I think we should move on from Team USA. People are going to be... Like direct messaging us, like, why are you talking about the Mighty Ducks? Um, because we're sad. That's why everybody, because we are sad.
0: <laughs> because we listened yeah. to Black Sheep Optimist candles, that's why. Yeah,
1: and then but... we went to watch Mighty Ducks as a park, like a pick-me-up. <laughs> so there's a whiskey couple and of mighty rumors. ducks. Oh, I do love me some whiskey. I'm not gonna lie. Um, <laughs> there's a couple of rumors that have come out the last few days as well. I think one of them was Nigel Hayes and the Celtics having reported mutual interest. I'm not gonna lie. I weren't following college basketball when Nigel Hayes was playing college basketball. Um, It wasn't even available in my country at that moment in time. I've seen his European footage. He looks decent. He looks like he could come in and add something to the bench, add something that's missing in terms of size, a bit of floor spacing and defensive intensity. How do you guys feel about a potential roster
2: spot being taken up by another Euro league flyer? Yeah. I mean, here's the thing. So I actually really did like Nigel Hayes in college. I, thought he was really good at wisconsin he was a guy that kind of came onto the scene and you know in the modern college ncaa world you know players just don't stick around if they have a good season maybe one or two they're out they're in the nba draft nigel hayes was around for all four years and for every one of those years he made an impact on wisconsin which at the time was you know always in the top tier of the ncaa tournament so really like nigel hayes the biggest knock on him was his shooting And so I haven't had a chance to look at some of the footage yet from him overseas, but just the numbers that I saw that he that he had put up, he had improved his three point shooting to be I think was roughly forty, it was forty four percent and about eighty nine percent from the line, and I think those were some of the biggest knocks. So I haven't seen the tape on him yet. Really liked him in college, you know. I I think it's an interesting flyer for the Celtics to take on a guy that that I did like several years ago, but you know I, I don't know how much of an impact it will be. But as far as a flyer goes, summer league, I mean, I think really. What it would be is if they do bring him in, that means maybe they think he's a better fit than someone like Jabari Parker, who doesn't have a guaranteed spot. That's where I would assume his roster spot would be going if that's the the way that that Brad Stevens and the front office decide to go. Um, but I'd be interested to see if we can get him into the summer league. And I don't know, maybe Adam or Greg, if you guys know if if this would be him coming in for summer league or just straight up signing him on to the roster and maybe taking Jabari's spot, but. Um, I would be interested to see what Nigel Hayes looks like these days.
0: Yeah, I think I saw um, – so the numbers you referenced, I think they're actually from an Adam Taylor article on Celtics blog. Shout out Adam Taylor. Uh, but I think – No, that's me. That's
2: me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: I think Keith Smith actually tweeted out that, um, you know, the Celtics are going to have to give him a guaranteed roster spot because they're, he's getting so many competitive offers from overseas. Uh, shout okay. out Keith. So, yeah, I, I think with Nigel Hayes, as I was watching his film – what came to mind was Semi Ojale. And if you put Semi Ojale overseas and you just said, all right, Semi, you're the best player on this squad, how much could he actually do? And if you, you know, when you when you put Nigel Hayes into an NBA setting, mm-hmm. is he just going to be Semi Ojale? And if it's just like a newer, fresher version of Semi Ojale with like a little bit more playmaking in his bag, I'm okay with that um, because Semi is a guy that I don't want to see on the roster next year. I just like, I'm just done with him. So if if he's coming in and he's taking you know taking semi spot, I'm cool with it. Jabari is a guy that I don't want to give up on because I feel like he does have a, a unique skill set that nobody else on the roster really has. Even though he's not much of a defender, he's just a you know I, I I was impressed with Jabari and what he was able to do in the in the limited minutes and limited time with the team. So I would like to see what that looks like over the course of a year. So if you're saying he's taking Jabari spot, I'm not here for it. But if it's semi spot, I am.
1: Yeah, now I agree with that take because I think Semi's already a free agent at this point. So you're not going to have to waive a guy or do wrong by a guy. Like you can still do right by Jabari and give him until like February when the uh, contract guarantees are like due to see what he can offer you and then make a decision based there. I think that's a good look for the franchise as well, especially moving into this Brad Stevens era. Um, Again, I think that you're going to get a bit more size from Nigel Hayes. The shooting just looks like it could possibly be better than Shemi. Consistency is going to be a big question. I think for me as well, like um, it's one thing being put on a team in Europe and being told you're the best player. It's another thing being put in a te- on a team in Europe and shouldering the load as the best player. Now, he played in Galatasaray, um, which is in the Turkish League, which is the third best NBA, uh, third best basketball league in the world, directly behind Spain. And then went to Lithuania, which, you know, um, if it worked for Lamelo Ball, why can't it work for Nigel Hayes? It's that type of mentality. So it's not like he's been playing in some scrub, like fourth division Spanish league, where guys are being paid like 30 euros a year to play basketball. He's been playing at some real, real high level and found consistency there too. So coming into the NBA is going to be an adjustment. But if he can hit 38% of his freeze from the corner, from the wing, and then get a bit after the dribble and get to the line and hit 80% from the line, I, I feel like that's a decent upgrade over Shemmy, especially if he can defend at Shemmy's level or above.
0: Yeah, I think he's a little bit of a different defender than Shemmy is as well. More of a dog. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And he's got more length. Um, so, I, you know, in some of those clips, he was contested shots at the rim. Um, he does have that little hezy Jimbo, that Kevin Durant, Jamal Crawford, all those guys do. So he likes going left, hang, dribble, pull up three. I don't know what his um what his splits are in terms of catch and shoot versus shooting off the dribble. But in the highlight reel that was on your in your article, Adam, I think he had like four or five of those shots where he, you know, left hand, hang, dribble, pull up three. And I don't know if that shot's really gonna be there for him in the NBA. Um, so you know, if you take that out of his bag, and then you you say, you know, are as a fourth option spot-up shooter. I'd have to look at his numbers, but I mean, I think it's worth a flyer, like I said, as long as he's replacing Sammy.
1: Yeah, it's a minimum deal. I feel like um, you're adding some more size to the bench. Um, you're replacing Shemi that, in my eyes, hasn't done enough to stay on the roster anyway. Uh, I'm cool with that. I mean, you found value in Brad Wanamaker. You found value in Daniel Tice. Why not try previously you found value in Gigi Datome, Shout out Gigi. The only one where I feel like it's been a bad pickup has been Poirier. And, you know, that's just is what it is. Bigs take longer to adjust to the NBA. He came into a team expecting to contend. So I think this could be a good pickup for them. I I don't see any downside, especially when the amount of money being extended would always be a minimal amount of money.
2: Yeah, the couple of names that you just mentioned is right where my mind went to when I saw this rumor was thinking of the success of of Brad Wanamaker and Daniel Tice for bringing a guy like Nacho Hayes. I mean, granted, we're talking about a guy that's probably, you know, one of the last roster spots that's going to be on there, but – I do think it's a little bit of the Celtics looking forward to, you know, what they're going to have available come free agency and where they are going to need to kind of piece together, whether it's some depth either at the point guard spot or at the wing spot, depending on maybe what they can do with their mid-level exception, whether that's the taxpayer 5 million or if they get the full mid-level if Fournier doesn't come back, which I think is around 10 million or so. so. They may have a few more options, but one of those is likely to get left out and need a little bit of additional depth, so I think Nigel Hayes could be worth a worth a flyer there. And you know, everybody's looking for those PJ Tucker type dogs right now. So if you can get some of those dogs on the end of the bench, you know, it might be just something different than Semi. You just have a different, you know, different feel, different mojo. We've seen we've seen how the story plays out with Semi. So maybe it works a little bit differently if you get a guy like Nigel Hayes who's a little maybe a little hungrier after some time overseas.
1: And then the only other room that's out there, and I want to keep this short because I feel like it's Groundhog Day with this one is obviously it's Bradley Beal. Bradley Beal may or may not request a trade. Damian Lillard may or may not request a trade. Every player in the league may or may not request a trade. This is where we're at. We're no further along with these than what we were six weeks ago. We just feel like we are because the word may has been added to that sentence. Um... Which brings you back to how can you get, how can you get Bradley Beal? Do you have to give up Jalen Brown? Do you have to give up Marcus Smart? What do you have to give up? I feel like that's an episode within itself, but I don't want to get too deep into that discussion until we actually know Bradley Beal is available. Yeah. I don't know if anyone else feels the same way, but this to me just feels like a very off-season-esque rumor. And obviously the first thing you hear then is Bradley Beal wants to play for Boston. Great if he does. I'm super happy about that. But realistically, he might as well just wait out the year and do yeah. it without, without leaving a sour taste in Washington's mouth in free agency. I just don't know whether the timing of this is legitimate or whether it's Bradley Bill posturing, basically making Washington aware
2: at the end of this year, I'm going to be gone. How do you yeah. guys feel about this? I mean, for me, it's, I feel very similar to a lot of the things that you just said there, Adam. But, you know, unless he ultimately demands that he ends up in Boston... For me, it's kind of a kind of a moot point because for me, I don't think the Celtics should include Jalen Brown in these talks. I would assume knowing the two of you the way I do that, you both probably feel that same way. Maybe you have a discussion, but ultimately, I don't think it makes a ton of sense given the age and, you know, the just just the way that Jalen Brown continues to grow. But, you know, there's just not really. So if you take Jalen Brown off the table, there's not a realistic package that gets him to Boston, in my opinion, because there's so many other packages around the league that can beat that. Even if they're not putting in their top tier stuff, so to your point, Adam, I really don't treat a lot of the Bradley Beal rumors as anything realistic. It's mostly more realistic for me if he turns down that option and becomes a free agent. That's when I think it could be real. But trading for Bradley Beal, it's just really hard for me to to see a scenario in which the Celtics could make it happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I mean, you got you guys said it well. I, you know, we I I have a whole you know probably 40 minute pod in me that we could talk about this but as as adam said until until it's more than just a rumor you know i, I think it's best to save those thoughts
1: <laughs> what i will say is and i put this into a group chat that we're all in um we're saying that Was- washington if they were going to take a deal this year then the team that comes and throws every like blows everyone out of the water straight away is golden state you go in there with a an andrew wiggins that had a great year as a free and d guy um, you add James Wiseman in, who's last year's number one pick, was it? Uh, number two. Number, number two. two pick. Number two. number yeah. two. And then you add in seven and 14 in this year's draft. It's super deep. Yeah. And I, there's no way, I just don't see a way, a world where you can, um, you can beat that offer. I really don't because that's an expiring deal in Wiggins sooner or later. You're going to get that money back. Plus you're going to have a franchise center that you can build around and you'll pick up two, two young guys in one of the best drafts in recent memory. So, um,
0: yeah, the, only, yeah and- the, the, the biggest thing you can hope for with that is that Golden State sees Beal as redundant on their roster, and they try and like use those pieces to try and get someone that might make more sense for what they're trying to build. Um, you know, I, I know Woj today um, said that they're not interested in Simmons, but to me, the deal that scares me is a three-team deal between the Sixers, the Warriors, and, um, and the Wizards, where the Sixers end up with Beal, the Warriors end up with Simmons, and then the Wizards get all the goodies. That's
2: yeah, I, exactly what? That's an interesting one. I, I I would be worried, about from the Warrior standpoint of Simmons and Draymond, unless Draymond's going out within that. Oh team. yeah, yeah. I,
0: in in that deal, Draymond, Draymond. Okay, then I love
2: that. Oh, well, I'm terrified of that deal, but love that deal for the Warriors. Then getting Simmons to pair with the with the Splash Brothers, I think that would be that'd be fun to watch, terrifying to play against. You know, but but that's Simmons, I think, is an interesting name as well, because if we're taking JB off the table and you just think of a Simmons for Beel Swap. I mean, that has some legs to it in my mind. Obviously, I don't think Simmons and Westbrook pair very well, but if you're preparing for the future in Washington, I don't think you can really think about what pairs or doesn't pair well with with Westbrook. You're kind of looking beyond the the contract that Westbrook currently has. But I think that could be another one that's that's at least interesting to think about what that swap looks like for both teams.
1: Yeah, this is where I'm like, until I hear anything that's concrete, I'm just like, yep, yeah, it's a possibility, but there's so many teams that are going to be in on that and mm-hmm. uh, Beal doesn't strike me as a guy to only give one destination exactly and, you know and even if a player does give that one destination with one year left on his contract Washington could pull a San Antonio and send him to Canada we just don't know so um, you know just because you say you want to go there hey you can go and do a year somewhere you don't want to be because we needed you and you have walked out it depends how the team wants to react as well and how the team the team has to do what's best for the organisation rather yeah. than what's best for the player So it's a tough one. I'm going to try and steer clear of um, talking about it in too much depth, although I feel like we're going to get pressed on it a lot over the next few months because it is a superstar. But for me personally, the team needs to deal with the fringe before they start dealing with the the scalp, as we'll call it. (laughs) Right then, everybody, you've been listening to Adam, Will and Greg as we spoke into your earpieces for roughly 45 minutes. Guys, do you want to let everyone know where they can find you? Is there anything special that's ending this show, Mr. And uh,
2: Let them know, and then they can catch us again on Wednesday. Yeah, let me let me get mine out of the way here so we can get Black Cheap Optimus here to close us out. But y'all can find me on Twitter and Instagram, at WillBond13. And then you can also find Greg and I on our other podcast, the 617 podcast, We Are Green With Envy. Y'all can follow us at Green Envy Pod on both Twitter and Instagram. Uh, but let's send it over to, to the Black Sheep Optimists of the crew.
0: Yeah. So my band uh, down here in Austin, Texas, we're called Black Sheep Optimists. And we just released a new song that we have referenced multiple times. If you made it this far, you get a treat. You get to listen to it here. Um, but you can also add it to your Spotify playlist or wherever you get your music. Our song is called Candles, and it'll make you cry. I've been waiting too long. I'm afraid to move. Could say I've been gone, I've been far away as I stayed in place at home. Leaves will fall on the lawn on an autumn day. Next time I
1: awake, summer's gone.